Good morning, New Life. Okay, okay, let me, let me just give you uh, minor instructions. The church that I lead in Hartford is a Pentecostal church. So we're noisy. Uh, the saying is that Baptists sit in the pews and Pentecostals jump over them. So I just wanted to kind of give you some leverage and um, you can determine uh, whether I'm 20 minutes or 60 minutes by your response. If you respond, that says that you understand and I move on. If you don't respond, that means please explain it to me. And I'm also a teacher, so I'd love to take the time to explain it. But uh, Pastor Eric invited me here to preach this morning, and I'm just so grateful uh, to be here with New Life. Um, this is my first time at New Life. Um, not my first time here, because our church attorney is right across the parking lot. So I had no problem figuring out where you were, <laughs> because I had been over here several times. But I'm just so grateful uh, to be here today, grateful for Pastor Eric, my friend, um, for inviting me. And the other thing I'm really, really grateful for, and I need to say this, as the executive director of Hartford City Mission, it's churches like you that really help us continue to do the work. Uh, Hartford City Mission impacts the lives of 150 youth in the city of Hartford. Um, and it's, in fact, on Monday, we start our Camp Noah, um, where we um, are going to welcome 150 youth, and we're going to tell them about Jesus. That's the most important thing is that we teach them about Jesus. We do teach them STEM. We teach them music. Um, we, we do arts and crafts. Um, we have a partnership with the Connecticut Science Center, so uh, they bring some of their um, scientists in. We go visit the Science Center. But the main, our main purpose is to introduce them to Jesus. Uh, we also do an after-school program where we assist with after-school, and we also, there again, uh, want to... Uh, or make sure that they come to know Jesus. This past fall, 47 young people accepted Jesus as their persons. I think we need to thank God for that. I think we really need to thank God for that. And our expectation with the camp um, as well is that we strive to ensure that at least 50% of the uh, children come to know Jesus. I would love to have all 150 of them come to know Jesus, but you know, that's even difficult in the world, uh, trying to get everybody. But we must work uh, the works of him who sent us while it's day, because night's coming when no man can work. So I want to thank you, New Life, for your support uh, of Camp Nova, of, of Hartford City Mission. Um, you have no idea uh, what your uh, contributions help us to do, um, and I'm just so grateful, and so I'm grateful to have the opportunity to come here and to say thank you. Um, so can you give yourselves a hand? Because you have been supporting us for a while. So, um, Born and raised in Hartford, um, I am number seven of eight children, um, so a large family. Uh, we grew up very, very poor. We grew up in, uh, in a development known as Stowe Village, um, which has been changed now to single-family housing, but we grew up there. Um, and it's just interesting because um, my life is very similar, I think, to the life of Joseph. Um, because I have uh, siblings who I think sometimes would rather dig a hole and throw me in it. <laughs> um, and, that, and that's, you know, it, it's, it's good, but it's, it's just because I have always been, um, from my birth, I've been a visionary and I've been a dreamer. And like Joseph, I couldn't keep my mouth shut. 
And so I would share my dreams, and my brothers and sisters would get a little sick and tired of hearing, hearing my dreams. Um, and, uh, but I'm just so grateful uh, to be here today. I am the senior pastor of Ebenezer Temple. I've been there now for 23 years as senior pastor. 14 years prior to that, I was youth pastor. So um, been there a long time. Uh, and uh, married to um, the lovely uh, co-pastor Jeanette Rush. This October will be 37 years of marriage. To God be the glory. Amen. And she's not with me because she's holding down the fort at Ebenezer so I could be here. Um, so that's, uh, but I, I promise next time, if, if I'm good enough to be invited back, um, next time I will bring her with me. Amen. Um, proud father of three wonderful children. Uh, my oldest child, Kimberly, is uh, our worship pastor. She is a singer, recording artist. She travels all over the world. She was a season 15 finalist on NBC, The Voice. Um, and so we're grateful for her. My son, Jonathan, is in Italy now. He is the associate conductor for the Baltimore Symphony Orchestra. And then my youngest child, Kayla, just graduated from Emerson College with a Bachelor in Fine Arts and Music Theater. Um, so we're a very musical family. Don't worry, I won't sing today. <laughs> but I'm just so grateful uh, to be here and to share the Word of God. Now we're going to delve, and I got my phone here to remind me that I only have about 20 to 30 minutes. I was joking about the hour, um, but I do have my phone here to remind me, um, and uh, we're just so grateful to be here with you. I want to call your attention to the book of Revelation, chapter 3. And I like the King James Version, if that's okay. I, I like the King James Version. That's just, that's just, I didn't, I should have told you that before it started. It's like, find time to tell me now, Pastor. <laughs> you know, but I do like the King James Version. And if you would be so kind, um, it's our tradition in our church that we stand um, at the reading of the word. So if you can, and if you would be so kind. And since you have it there, I won't need to use my glasses if I turn this way because it's big enough. To the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, these are the words of him who is holy and true, who holds the key of David. What he opens, no one can shut. And what he shuts, no one can open. I know your deeds. See, I have placed before you an open door that no one can shut. I know that you have little strength, yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. Just keep standing for a minute. I want to talk from this theme this morning, the door is open. Can you say that with me? The door is open. Now, can you say that with just a little bit more enthusiasm? The door is open. All right. Let us pray. Father... I thank you so much for this opportunity to stand before your people here in New Life. And I ask you, Lord, to be glorified in everything that I say, everything that I do. I pray most of all, Lord God, that um, you would open the ears of the listeners and that we not just be hearers of your word, but doers also. In the mighty name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. As you take your seat, just turn to the person next to you and say, the door is open. Oh, come on, bring me that enthusiasm. Turn to somebody else. Tell them the door is open.
An open door is a recognized right of admittance. If the door is open, then you know that it's okay for you to walk through it. Amen? An open door is freedom of access. It lets you know that you belong. Uh, when I came here this morning, um, I was um, grateful, first of all, that I pulled on the right door because I saw a sign, a sign said this door and another sign said this door. Yeah. And I said, okay. <laughs> Let's make sure we get the right one. But I was so grateful um, to find that there was an open door and that there was an open uh, opportunity and an open place for us to be here, for us to gather, for us to come uh, together and to worship God. Amen? So an open door lets us know that we belong. In our text, Jesus presents himself. Now, I'm a, I'm a mover. Is it okay if I move? Okay. In our text, Jesus presents himself to the church at Philadelphia as he that is holy. Can you say holy with me? He that is holy, which simply means that Jesus' declaration that he is God. Everybody knows that he is God, right? Amen. Jesus is holy in his character. Jesus is holy in his words. Jesus is holy in his actions. And Jesus is holy in his purposes. You never have to worry what Jesus' motives are because they are pure and holy. Now we deal with people, I know not in new life, but we deal with people who have motives that are not so pure. Amen? Amen. How many know people? Don't raise your hand. Uh, (laughs) But we deal with people whose motives are not so pure, but when we're dealing with Jesus, we can rest assured that his motives are holy, his motives are pure, and that he only wants the best for us. As the Holy One, he is uniquely set apart from everything else, and nothing can be compared to him. Uh, There's a word that that people kind of like to throw around, but I only attribute this word to Jesus, and that word is awesome. I, I never say awesome about anything else. I just always say, he's awesome. God is awesome. Oh, He's, I, I never use that word for anything else because I believe that he is set apart from everything else and from anything else. Amen? Jesus is also the one who is true. So he said the one who is holy and the one who is true. Now, I, I, I don't know about you, but I, I have some real challenges. And I was watching the, the Today Show this week, and, and, and I heard people talking about I'm living in my truth. Oh, I'm living in my truth. And, and, and so that means that whatever I want to do, whatever uh, I, I feel like doing, I do because I'm living in my truth. And I said, oh, okay, it, it, all right, you live in your truth. I, I'm going to live in the truth. How many know that there's just one truth? Amen. Amen? It's the truth of the gospel. Amen? And that's what I'm going to live. You go ahead and live in your truth, but, but my truth is in the truth who is Jesus Christ. Amen? I am the way, he said, the truth and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. Amen? I'm toning it down a little. I'm not acting like I usually do at home because I don't want to scare you. (laughs) Jesus is the original. He's not a copy. He's the authentic God, not a manufactured one. There were hundreds of false gods and goddesses 
in those days, but only Jesus Christ could rightfully claim to be the true God. Did you know that there are some things that we make gods? Did you know that? Some, some people make finances gods. If, if they were broke, they would know what to do. I've been broke. <laughs> I know how to make baked beans, <laughs> peanut butter and jelly, and survive. Amen? But there's some people who, who finances have become a god. Some people make their automobiles gods. And so they take more care of their automobiles than they do anything else. Uh-uh. I'm a golfer, but I haven't made golf a god, not yet. <laughs> but some, some people do that as well. Some people do. I remember, I remember, I'm going to tell you, true story, true story. I um, woke up one Sunday morning, and I just really didn't feel like going to church. So I called my um, executive pastor, and I said, you're going to preach this morning. He said, okay. I said, and by the way, I'm not going to be there. What? Yeah, I just need a, I need a, I just need a, a break. I need a me day. So I grab my golf clothes. I go to the golf course. Yeah, par three. Boop, 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 boop. Hole in one. Problem, I couldn't tell anybody because I was supposed to be in church. <laughs> so I couldn't tell anybody the story. I couldn't call anybody. I wanted to call. I wanted to call so many people. Say, You'll never believe this. But I couldn't. And I said, God, you have a sense of humor. So you fixed it this way so that I, I would not be able to do that and I would never do that again. But that's, it's interesting. But a lot of times we can make gods out of things. Sometimes we, we um, uh, any of you that have, have had or have young children who are involved in everything in school. Anybody ever had that situation? <laughs> Soccer, basketball, football. I mean, your lives literally revolve around your children, making sure that they get to the various practices and things of that nature. But we have to be very careful because sometimes we can even make our children gods. Ooh, quiet, I love that. (laughs) Not only is Jesus holy and true, but he has the authority to open and close doors. I'm sorry, I keep moving and you keep shifting. (laughs) He has the ability to open and close doors doors. Amen? He can open a door, but he can shut a door just as quickly as he opens it. Amen? I was, um, I had, um, I, I didn't tell you all this, but I'll tell you now. I, I, um, I graduated from the University of Connecticut, I won't tell you the year, um, mm-hmm. and then maybe about 10 years later, I went to Hartford Seminary and received my master's, and I was going to stay there and get my doctorate in ministry, and I was all ready, everything was in, everything was set to go, and they shut the program down. The door was closed. I said, okay, Lord, I kind of really wanted to do that, especially while I was in the mood. Um, any reason why you, you wanted to you know, close that door? And I didn't realize what God was doing. And so this fall, I'm uh, entering a doctoral ministry program, uh, 100% scholarship. Do I need to flip? <laughs> Do I need to trip? See, if I had done it then, I would have had to pay for it. You, you hear what I'm saying? So God shut that door and he says, no, I'm going to open a door for you and I'm going to make it possible for you to go. 
Amen? And, and it's the most inopportune time because my oldest daughter, she's getting married in September. And anybody who's, who's um, had a child get married, especially the daughter, you know, the dad pays for the wedding. And so I saw no other way because she wants to do the wedding big, so the wedding's going to be at Valley and Avon, and the uh, reception's going to be at the Aquaturf. Any savings I had for school is gone. But God does things in the most inopportune times. He opens up doors, and you can tell when it's a door that he has opened because it's a door that has been difficult for you to open yourself. Right. Amen? Yeah. You, you've tried. You've, you've gone through all kinds of formats. I, I, I'm sorry. I'm going to move. Oh, if I get off camera, well, find me. But, uh, <laughs> but, but there's, there are times you try and you try and you want to do things and you want to have things happen your way. And there are times that God will widely open the door and there are times when the door will be shut. Right. I stopped by this morning to let you know today that God told me to tell new life that the door is open. Hallelujah. I got one hallelujah. Okay. <laughs> Maybe I need to stay at the hallelujah section. <laughs> but he told me to tell you that the door is wide open. The, the door represents opportunity in ministry. Amen? It represents opportunity. I and mean, thank God for the opportunity. And he gives us opportunities all the time. Amen? I go to the supermarket, and I don't do the fast checkout, and I don't get in the shortest line. I always get in the longest line. Because that's where people are complaining. And so I get in the long line. All oh, these lines are long. They need to get more people. Oh, they need to hire more staff. And I go, yeah, but I remember when I could not afford to buy these groceries that are in my basket. And so I thank God. I'm so grateful to God that I stand in this line all day just to give God the glory. See, there are opportunities. A lot of times we think obstacles are that, but obstacles are often opportunities. We say that we are Christians. We say that we love the Lord. We say that we are followers of Christ. But when is the last time that we told somebody about Jesus outside of the church? When is the last time that we let our light shine outside of the church? So my wife, uh, the license plate on my wife's car says, try God. And so I have to remember when I'm driving her car. <laughs> because it it, 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 no matter what, whenever I'm driving her car, somebody cuts me off. <laughs> and I want to fly on that horn and I want to do all kind of, you know, there's one God and he's almighty. I want to do all kinds of stuff. <laughs> and I say, wait a minute. Your place says try God. <laughs> what kind of an example would it be for you to just tell somebody off? What kind of example would it be for you to just go at somebody? Amen? Amen. And so I, I came here this morning just to tell you that the door is open. Um, the Lord has opened many doors for us um, at, at Hartford City Mission, as I talked about before. And we are impacting the lives of the children and we're impacting the lives of the families because what is happening is we're teaching the children the Bible and they're going home and they're talking to their parents about the Bible. And their parents have called us now and said, we don't know the Bible. So now we're starting a Bible study. We are now starting a Bible study 
So what's happening now is not only are we impacting the children, now we're starting to impact the families. Isn't that wonderful? Now we're starting to impact the families. And so they said, well, you know, we, we, we need you to explain. So what we're doing now is we're taking the lessons, we're sending the children home with lessons, we meet with the parents once a month, and we're going through the lessons. Amen? Amen. Through that effort, 27 parents have accepted Jesus wow. as their servant. So Jesus has all authority to open doors and close doors. The background of this imagery is found in Isaiah 22. Assyria had invaded Judah, but the Jewish leaders were trusting in Egypt and not trusting in God to deliver the nation. One of the treacherous leaders was a man by the name of Shebna, who had used his office not for good of the people, but for his own private gain. Sound familiar? Don't worry, I won't get political. God saw to it that Shebna was removed from office and that a faithful man, Eliakim, was put in his place and given the keys of authority. Eliakim was a picture of Jesus Christ as a dependable administrator of the affairs of God's people. How good are you handling the affairs that God has placed in your hands? Amen? We need to remember that we're representing Christ. Amen? Am I true? Am I right? Am I off? We're representing Christ in everything that we do and wherever we are, and we have the responsibility to tell others about Jesus. You know, I grew up um, in a neighborhood where we used to hang out on the front porch, and that's kind of how we met our neighbors. Now we have decks and patios, <laughs> and we're not meeting anybody. Amen? Amen. Amen. That's what's happening now. Now we're having, we, got that, we, we have our own little private uh, thing going on. And so what I did in our community, my daughter graduated. We gave her a big graduation party. I had a live band, so I knew it was going to be making a whole lot of noise in the neighborhood. So I invited the whole neighborhood. And so I had everybody in the neighborhood in my backyard, and nobody even called the police to say I was But what was interesting is that we had been in our neighborhood now for 21 years, and there were families that we had never met. Yeah, yeah. That's what was interesting. There were families that we, that we never met, there were people that we never knew, and the interesting thing, just like the, the young lady here, is when I invited them over, everybody did research on me. Who is this guy? Can he be trusted? What is he gonna do to us? And everybody came and said, and this is the interesting thing that was so powerful. I never met you, but I knew you were a pastor. I said, how did you know I was a pastor if you never met me? Well, I've been watching you. I've been watching your children, you know, how respectful they are. I've been watching, I've been watching what you do. And I, and I said, this man has to be a pastor because he's always smiling. He's never complaining. I said, you don't, you haven't been in my house. <laughs> you know, I don't think my wife would say the same thing. But we never, the, the thing here is that we don't take enough time to really get to know one another. Amen? And so these life groups, these family groups, these in-home, you know, we can learn a lot from the Bible because that's where the church started. It started in people's homes. And, and if we learn how to just take a little time and invite people in and, 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 and just have a, you know, a wonderful time. Have a, I'm not saying that to Christ bash them, amen? But because but, sometimes it's just our lives. It's just our lives that are light. And, 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 and he's given 
Jesus has given the church an open door. The church who decides to follow Jesus. The church who decides to preach the gospel. The church who decides to share the love of Jesus Christ. The main theme of the Bible is love. Did you know that? Amen. Amen. That's the main theme of the Bible. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. And everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. Him that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. Amen. Amen. So you know what I like to do? I, li I, I like to find the, the, the person who tried to escape me and give him the biggest bear hug. So I'm just so excited um, to be here, and I want you to know that 
One of the things that I see that the church really has to do, and I'm through. I'm through. I think my time is up anyway. But one of the one of the things that I really need to see the church do, and that is that we have to make sure that our children and our young people recognize that the church is for them. I, I told my youth at Ebenezer that it's their church. And it really is. And we need to we need to grab a hold of that. I um my um my thesis uh, for my masters was getting young people, getting millennials back to the church. That's what I wrote a paper on getting millennials back to the church. It's becoming a book because so many people were asked about it and I said, Don't okay, I'm it for free. You can buy it. Because the doors are open, and if we want to see more young people come in, I've learned that young people beget young people. And that, I've, I've learned that. Just watch your children, you know, if they, if they hang out with somebody, they'll eventually they'll start inviting them over, and that's what, that's what starts to happen. When I, 23 years ago, I became a pastor of Ebenezer Temple, and 65% of our congregation was 70 and older. Now this is a youth pastor. <laughs> Now become senior pastor. I knew how to deal with the young people. I didn't know how to deal with the older people. Because I was also grown to, you know, be respectful. So I was yes ma'am, yes sir, mother, father, just being all nice and kind and afraid to go to somebody. I don't want to use an example because then that means I'm saying you're older. <laughs> go to somebody and just, I'll use my bag, you know, go to somebody. You know, and just say, you know, what can I do? You know, that kind of thing. And, and, and it was a real challenge. It was a real challenge. And so what um, what the Lord said to me for the first year, don't make any changes. Just love my people. Just love my people. And they thought, oh, this, he's not common. He's not average using all of these electronics and things like that. That's ridiculous. For a whole year, I used the Bible. Much as I wanted to use my iPad, I used the Bible. that's what it's all about. Then I started looking, when we shifted the technology, I saw the breakage because a lot of the older folks weren't familiar with technology and the younger folks were. So I put together an intergenerational technology ministry where the um, older, the young people taught the older folks how to use technology. And once a month, they had to go out for a hot dog or something. I said, something cheap because the kids have to pay for it. And what that did is it developed relationships, grandparent relationships with children in our churches in heaven. And it, and it really started to, instead of you know people seeing the congregation as us and them, they started to see things as a family. Today, 80% of my congregation is 40 and under. That's a, no, that's not, I don't want you to clap, because no, I did not get rid of <laughs> You know the um, the uh, and, and we're we're very we when I took over the church we were a very traditional Pentecostal church. I'm done. I'm just telling the story. So don't get nervous. Uh, but we're a very traditional Pentecostal church. What I mean by that is women couldn't wear pants. Women couldn't wear makeup. Isn't that strange? 
That's like bondage. Everything I'm saying is women, women. <laughs> okay? They came, the, the, the ladies came with their church hats. And, have you seen that? You've seen it on television, man. Yeah. When they come with their church hats, everybody was dressed with all in suits and everything else, and that's what it was. And um, I started to look around, and people were more concerned about how they looked than their relationship with Jesus. And so I slowly started chipping away. And then I did something very drastic. I showed up on Sunday with jeans and a t-shirt. <laughs> Everybody else is dressed up. They're like, did I get time to dress? I said, no. Then I brought in a band, and we started jamming. We were having a great time. I didn't tell anybody that the dress code was changed. I just changed. Over time, I saw people and I had one holdout, one lady who was always going to wear her suit and her hat. And I said, and it was just really interesting. And I had one holdout, but we just kept going. And she walked into church one day with jeans. <laughs> Not a t-shirt. <laughs> I don't know what those shirts are that you ladies wear that have the, I don't know, they're like tank tops, but is that what they call Yeah, she showed up just like that. And she walked in. And the church just went wild. <laughs> I didn't even get to preach that Sunday because everybody just could not believe that God had moved in such a mighty and powerful way. Um, and this is what it's all about. It, it's really about love, y'all. It's showing love. Showing Christ to those who don't know him so that they too can come to know him as well. So I stopped by this morning to let you know Jesus told me to tell you that the door for new life is